Hey everyone, we're excited to jump into another episode of Grow Snacks with you. We're all here to grow together and we're glad you joined. On our episode, you might hear me or my guests challenge each other or challenge our callers to take specific actions. We wanna remind you that those actions aren't meant as advice for everyone or to be applied to your specific situation. But if you are curious if the support we cover will work for you, we suggest you check with your coach, your therapist, or your healthcare provider. With that being said, let's hop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Growth Snaps podcast, where we hop into topics and try to find areas for growth in them, whatever we're working with. Uh, today's episode, it's actually our first time bringing on a guest and a caller. So just to explain that format really quickly, I'll have a guest that comes in that's usually a stellar coach or someone I've worked with before or someone new that I haven't worked with before, but has a great reputation for working with clients in a phenomenal way. We'll discuss a topic and at some point we'll bring in a caller just like you that wants to discuss that same topic and receive some support along the way. Uh, and so I'm excited to have today our first guest, Ethan. What's up, Ethan? Yo, yo. And, and just a little background on Ethan. Ethan and I have known each other for about a year and a half now. We've done a bunch of coaching work together, especially around accountability. When people are trying to get a goal done over six weeks, how do you push them? How do you make sure they stay on track? How do you put them in a group where everyone's pushing that same person? And so we've done a lot of work in that space together. And given the topic we're, we're discussing today, I thought that Ethan was a perfect person to bring it up. In fact, Ethan was the one who brought the topic up to me. And we were really talking about personal development and how expensive it is. And so before we hop into that, Ethan, anything you want to add about your background for, for any listeners that we have? Yeah, uh, not too much. I'm an entrepreneur and an artist, and I am a love extremist. I call myself that, but I have a, a podcast as well, Love Extremist Radio, so you can check me out there. And just excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you, man. Excited to have you. I'll jump right in because a couple of weeks ago, we were just having a catch-up conversation. Ethan and I are people who have both done a lot of personal development work in the U.S., outside of the U.S. We really dive into this. and. Ethan made a comment that kind of made me sit back in my own seat where he said, you know, personal development, it's, it's really a luxury item. I had never thought about it that way because I, I tend to just invest in my growth and whatever it takes, I'll put the money into it because I'm looking at what I'm going to get out of it. But when he said it that way, it made me start to think that, are there a lot of people that are cut out of the best personal development because it costs as much as a Gucci bag? Ethan, like, what, what drove you to say that statement in the first place? Well, it's funny that you go straight to the financial cost because for me, it was actually more of a temporal statement. Having the time to examine our lives and to develop and grow um, is, not, is a luxury, ultimately, having spare time. If we are living paycheck to paycheck, having to work, having to raise a family, going to school, if we are in an environment that is stressful, if the environmental factors keep us from being able to relax or get into our sympathetic nervous system, there's so many things that may be obstacles to getting into a state where, and a mind state where we can actually say, okay, it's time to grow. It's time to evolve. And so that's one factor. Of course, the expense is an obvious one. A lot of the work that we've done has required investment, whether that's your standard therapy practice that's not covered by insurance, all the way to you know crazy retreats out in the jungle, getting out of your comfort zone in a lot of different ways. Yeah, this, this statement felt really true for me, especially when I look around at peers in different lived experiences 
who are not necessarily showing up to all the self-development programs or are not showing up to the typical experiences. Maybe they're listening to a podcast or two, maybe they're reading a book, but they may not be as invested in culture of self-development. And I thought that was a really interesting point I wanted to infuse into the convo. Yeah, I didn't think about that at the time. Do I need childcare to go do this thing? Do I need a flight? How much time am I taking off work? Do I have a job that supports me investing? Uh, so I can definitely see what you're saying. And even growing up in a family, did you grow up in a culture where development and self-inquiry was part of, of the family and the household system? Or was it more so, I got my routine, I know what I like, this is what we do, whatever it is. Dad comes home and sits in his chair after work and, you know, drinks a beer and watches the news or the sports game, right? Like, you know, there's certain routines that show up in a household. Do they change or are things growing in your, yeah, your attention and your time? And that's a culture that can be created and cultivated and or also not. It can, things can stagnate in how we grow up. And so in your experience, when you've had friends that were at first hesitant to invest in some sort of program or um, jump into therapy and then they shifted later. Like those, those blockers were still there, the time blockers, the financial blocker. What do you think pushed them over the edge so that they finally invested in the growth? There's a lot of factors. I think socialization is a huge one. Where I come from in New England, going to therapy is still taboo in a certain, for certain groups of people or it's seen as weakness to be focusing on mental health. And so I think socialization, seeing more and more young people who are doing it, who are talking about their therapy practice, who are open about it, that I think is a big piece where it's like, okay, I have enough peers around me that are doing this. They're getting benefit from it. Maybe I should check it out. There's also, it's starting to show up more in the culture. It's more normalized than maybe it was for generations past. So those are a couple of factors that come to me. And then of course, there's these life changes. You know, I have a thesis that I'm working on in, in my work, which is really rooted in the fact that when we face a major life change, we're forced to grow, sometimes way out of our comfort zone, sometimes not by choice. But in that forced growth, there can be immense gifts, evolution, and changes for the better. And I, I know I've experienced that in my own disease process facing brain cancer. And so there's a lot of interesting pathways that show up when something intense happens. Maybe it's losing a loved one, changing a job or leaving your schooling and going into the career. Or, and there's so many major life changes that can affect us and shift our growth trajectory. How long ago did you find out you had brain cancer? 2017, I suffered a seizure in my sleep and I woke up the next day and found a tumor at urgent care that ran a CAT scan. Okay, so this is five years ago. Mm -hmm. What was your... Thank you for sharing that. For sure. What was your experience with personal growth and just self-awareness, your investment in yourself mentally and spiritually prior to that discovery and then post that life change? Great question. Up front, before that, I always had this interest in alternative experiences. So whether that be going to a museum or traveling or even going to a healer, some would say shaman or spiritual guide, but I loved working with people who use breath practice or sometimes psychic abilities or different types of tool sets to just tap into other worlds. And so I invested in that a little bit. And that was kind of like a fun, interesting curiosity of mine. So I'd say that's maybe a couple hundred bucks for a session, maybe once every six months. And then there were some forays into psychedelic medicine, which I, I would say is a platform for development if it's not used recreationally. Travel, you know, was something that I would invest in. 
And then there was a little bit of therapy I did, but not a lot. It wasn't like an ongoing practice. So I'd say on average, I was probably spending between a thousand and three thousand dollars a year before I got sick, you know, and I was reading books, you know, I, I was really interested in love and finding mates. I, you know, I went, actually went to retreats and learned about polarity and masculinity work and all sorts of that kind of stuff. So I was pretty intent on, on studying and growing in that way and becoming a better man ultimately and partner for, you know, my future wife or whoever I was looking for, who I've now met. So that was definitely, I was investing in that a bit. Okay. And then since then, has that investment gone up? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the first year it was really intense. First off that our healthcare system doesn't cover a lot of the necessary, I think, mental health and, and emotional health uh, required to move through a life change, especially one that's a mortality check, as I call it. So going through a mortality check for me required therapy, it required getting other medical opinions and, and working with alternative healers, getting massage, all sorts of different physical, emotional, and mental practices. So I probably was spending like 20 to 30 K maybe more in the first year. And now I'm probably at an average of 10 to 15 every year. And that's pretty much just therapy alone. Like if you think about going to a therapist costs about $200 a week and I'm, I'm going to individual therapist every off week and then a couples therapist. The, the, so I switched those up. And so therapy practice alone is like over 10K and uh, that's just one part of it. All right. So for most Americans or most people in the world, that's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. What's the ROI on that? What is the return on investment on that for you? Are there, I'm guessing there are measurable results and there are things that are intangible, right? So yeah, it, it, it's difficult to measure, but yeah, complete, finish that question. Yeah, I'm just curious for you, like how would you measure, you know, the return on that investment? Well, I would say for my first 33, 34, 35 years, I was searching for love. And upon that diagnosis and starting to do this work, I started to better understand what love meant in practice, specifically for myself, but then also in terms of how I could share love beyond myself. I attracted a woman who I'm now married to, and we are starting a family. And so that is a tangible, I found what I was looking for, right? I was working in a business that I no longer felt as connected to, and I was trying to figure out my way out of that. I would say the diagnosis was my out, but over time I've untangled myself from that business. I've since become an artist, a facilitator, a media producer. I'm living a life that I couldn't have dreamed of before. So I'd say tangibly I'm self-actualized in a lot of ways, but that's never a fixed state. So as things grow and change, it's like you upgrade your problems, right? Like self-growth is just upgraded problems, any type of growth. So we have our challenge set that we start with, which is for me, finding love, finding that now it's like keeping love going. It's making sure I'm loving myself while I'm also loving in partnership or giving back to the planet. It's also thinking about livelihood now and going back to that and saying, okay, what does it look like to make a living now that I've had this time to heal and focus on love? So there are, you know, just upgraded problems, but I'm pretty excited about the problems I'm facing and grateful to, to be where I'm at. It's awesome. I, I acknowledge you for everything you've accomplished. It's a lot, a lot of measurable results, I got to say. And when I hear you talk about it, there's this thought in my mind that given any amount of money, the items you've listed are, are priceless. 
family. I'm having a child. That's what I want to create for my life. I left a toxic work environment. I now have a new career that's aligned with who I am. I'm in my zone of genius. That seems worth a lot of money. And you had some money to put into it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And time. The like previous statement earlier, you must have money and some time. Yep. And another universe where you don't have like the 10 to 20K a year plus the time. And you still have those same goals. You still have the marriage and the family, but you don't have that money. You don't have that time. What do you think that Ethan would have done? I think that Ethan would have been seeking in all the free time that he had and seeking answers, reading books, honestly looking the way I learn often is in community. I I learn from individuals, as I alluded to, I like talking to people who have wisdom or have different lived experiences than I do. So I would be out searching, getting to know other people and having conversations that challenge my belief systems, that challenge the way that I think. And I'd be reading a bit, studying as much as I could. I'd be gleaning as much free information as I could. But I think the time challenge is a big one. So I would try to optimize both making money and meeting people and figuring out how I could do that. So I'm surrounding myself with people who are more emotionally intelligent than I am. So if growth was a a priority for me, I'd probably be orienting myself around growth-oriented professions and surrounding myself with people who are focused on supporting others in growth, coaches, therapists, healers, maybe even medical professionals to a point, therapists, things like that. So it sounds like given a different set of circumstances, you would have figured something out. Like you would have just kept going, pushing, reading, finding gurus. (laughs) <laughs> just without spending the money. That's what it sounds. I'm just listening back what I heard you say. Yeah, I think I think that's correct. It's just been my curiosity as as it's my na- natural interest. From a young age, I've always been drawn to people who have a different experience than my own and have a different perspective on life. And I want to understand them and get to know them and 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 be in listening, curiosity with them, inquiry with them. Okay, I believe you too. I think you would have figured it out, given that that's the case, though. Like. When we meet people and they say things like, I would invest in this program, I would do this training, et cetera, et cetera. I would do therapy if I had the money or the time. But given what you just said right now, it kind of sometimes I feel like the time and the money is an excuse. I think it's important for me to articulate that I learned about self-motivation and directing my attention towards what interested me in high school. I went to an alternative high school that was a public high school, but allowed us to develop our own English curriculum. We taught our own math class. Like we had our own kind of lay of the land and it was a democratically run, really interesting opportunity for me to grow and discover that education could be self-motivated and self-directed and didn't have to be at the dictation of a teacher or a system. And most of us don't learn that. So I recognize like there's immense privilege in the school I went to. It happened to be public, but the town I grew up in had an excellent school system. And that learning that I could actually focus my attention on the things that interested me and then actually learn about those things. I think that informed a lot of what I'm speaking about now. Yeah. So there's learning, there's a, there's a baseline, but is there also like a value set that you have there? And did that, was that value set instilled from the schooling system? Do you think that value wasn't, was instilled from your, your childhood, to your parents, your family culture, where did the value of investing yourself really stem from? It's a great question. I mean, probably my family to a point, certainly like they always emphasized me having experiences versus things often being able to go to summer camp, for example, instead of having like a dirt bike as a kid or taking musical instrument 
you know, lessons or playing on sports teams, but really like investing in my curiosities and supporting me through that. So that was a family value set. And also like those extracurricular activities for me were almost more important than school itself. And that happened before high school. And that was a big part of my life and my identity. So that was privilege. That was money that was spent, time that was spent again. So like having access, a lot of these factors played a role, but my family sparked it. And then I kind of took it and ran. I think the privilege angle is really interesting because you and I have also had chats about, you know, people who've been in prison, who've gotten out and now the system's against them, getting a job is really hard. They've like lost whatever privilege they did have, usually they've lost it at that point. And still like the responsibility for them to grow and invest in themselves is on them. Right. And so if you, you know, if you're in a system, like let's say you have a client that was in that kind of situation where they, they weren't instilled the values, they don't have the privilege. Like how do you shift them into developing those values for themselves when they're older, regardless of what their situation is financially or, or socioeconomically? Yeah, I think it's a really important question. And I actually think while prison is a fantastic example and an important one, the need to be an entrepreneur is true for, I'd say, anyone who's a millennial and younger. We grew up in the culture of identity politics and personal brands, and that is now just like baked into our DNA. And so regardless of your standing in in society, I think the entrepreneurial values are required to be part of this system of capitalism and kind of culture in America for better and for worse. Of course, we operate within the confines of what we have access to. So understanding where there's access is really important. And also access is one angle here, but there's also attention. And Mm -hmm. so if we can direct our attention towards driving new access channels, for example, getting out of an environment that may be unhealthy for whatever reason and into one that is healthy, that may require changing our friend group or distancing ourselves from our families or going to a place that's a lower cost of living. There's a number of different pathways to take depending upon who you are. And I don't think there's a prescription for everyone, but I do think that we can think creatively and especially a brain trust like, like us and, and having access to people who maybe are a few steps ahead is really important to inform, Hey, here's what's possible. You can get out of, you know, this zone and into this zone. And maybe that'll give you a little more sense of freedom, a little more space to learn, to grow a little more space to make a a livelihood or a living that feels on your terms. Okay. What I'm hearing from you is that you feel like nowadays having an entrepreneurial mindset and either regaining or gaining control of the environment that you're in. Well, and also community. I'm speaking to like entrepreneurial mindset, understanding that there are choices you can make to change your circumstances to a point. And community is a huge part of that. And so building relationships with people you can trust to support you in shifting if you if you want to shift. And I would say specifically for men, but also for all of us here in America, asking for help is faux pas. It's not really part of the culture, especially when we're asking for help with major things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we get so much value from helping each other and we all need help. Everyone needs help in one way or another, whether it's emotional or financial or physical And so to be honest about that and to be able to ask for it and know that you will be able to give it when the time comes is just part of living in a human body. And the more we can come to terms with that, I think the more we can actually get our brothers and sisters and trans folks into spaces where we're we're all actualized, where it's not just the privileged few. 
Yeah, and I think it's a great way, a great reminder for everyone. But when you help other people, you get out of your own shit. Like if you're going to press, go help somebody. If you're feeling down, go help someone. And you, when you allow someone to help you, uh, it's actually giving them a gift. Like people yeah. do really want to help and support each other. And you know, on that note, we're about to have the opportunity to support someone else. Yeah, um, which I'm really excited about. I, I never know how these are going to go. The scariest part for a facilitator or a coach is when the client comes in and they give you whatever's going on for them. And then you support them the best that you can. And so we're going to be, we're going to bring Brandon on right now, you know, given the framework that we've discussed thus far to the best of our ability, support him and meet him where he's at. Brandon, thanks for like listening in thus far and calling in to chat with Ethan and I. I want to provide like a certain amount of baseline for Ethan also uh, to best support you. So what do you need to share with us that we best understand you, like your financial state, like the challenges you're facing right now? I'll just give you some time right now to give us some backdrop. First of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Listening in in the beginning and Ethan spit out so many gems that really like hit home with me. So financials is always a big thing. It's a part of life. It's every day. It can make you a break. And for me, it's been it's been a journey, a lot of learning curves. I'm, I say we can start there. Uh, financials. OK, so what do you feel comfortable sharing about your current financial state? Well, my current financial state is a lot better than what it was in the past. Growing up in a family of five, I had my mom and my, my stepfather, they raised us, and they handled the finances of the house. So at that time, it was, wasn't really, I wasn't really exposed too much to how money works, how to budget yourself, how to really plan ahead and not wait on your next paycheck. So as I got older, I started working. That was my biggest challenge, honestly is being very disciplined, having a plan and actually working towards that plan. So I feel like at a young age, that's what set off this domino effect for me when it came to handling finances. Those are the things that kind of like for me, I know personally added to that stress, you know, struggling finances led me to go into depression and the domino effect. So I hope that gives you an idea of where I'm at. First off, Brandon, thank you for just sharing vulnerably about where you come from and where you're at. And congrats to reiterate what Brian said to kind of having these new tools and skills. And I fully resonate with that sense of depression or frustration when things aren't secure, right? And like, that's the baseline. And that's why I say self-growth is a luxury, because if we don't have our finances you know, able to support us and feed us and get a roof over our heads and take care of our, our basic needs at the very least, there's no space for growth beyond that. This is one of those things that people are kind of bottled up around, or there's a sense of pride, especially in our culture, where we don't speak out about having financial insecurity or challenge. So I guess I'd be curious to hear, are there current kind of consistent modes of income for you that are driving you and supporting you, not just financially, but also make you excited, make you feel purpose in your day? Well, for me now at the point, so I have two daughters and they're 14 and 15. So they're getting to that age where it's extremely important that I help them and show them, give them that example so that once they get to become an adult, they don't run into these snags, run into the struggles. And mental health is something that I haven't really got into yet, but it's extremely important. And personal experience with me, both my daughters just are going, going through therapy. Uh, for themselves. And, and I've learned so much from that, which is also, you know, a great thing for me because that, that motivates me. It drives me more because I know what their needs are. I know what they need. I know the type of advice to give them. I know when to listen. I know when, when, you know, when not to talk. And so I've been learning that 
coupled with, you know, just the, the motivation for them not to struggle financially and give them a path and a direction they can carry and support them in that. So that that's been the motivation. Also, I just got married last month. So th- oh, wow. those are yes. the two main factors in, uh, in, in what's been helping me recently. Yeah. That's awesome. And so for you, I mean, it sounds like you're doing a great job with them. And I'm curious with, for you, like, what are your financial goals? What, what are you trying to grow into right now? Well, right now, um, like I said, recently just got married. We have a lot of plans, you know, honeymoon coming up. And these are short-term goals, building on something larger. Honestly, getting out of that rat race when it comes to living paycheck to paycheck, eventually, maybe four or five years down the line, it's time to buy a house, you know. And so th- these are some of the things that I have in, in mind in the near future that's helping me work towards that. I mean, I'm pretty excited about it, but I know there's a lot more opportunity there, and I'm, and I'm open for any suggestions. You're open to coaching? <laughs> I'm, open. I'm open. I'm definitely open. Definitely open. Uh, let me listen back what I heard real fast. I'll let you hop in, Ethan. I heard house, honeymoon, stop living paycheck to paycheck over the next yeah. year. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is right now. I don't want to live in myself, but that's, that's what it is right now. Yes, correct. Yeah. Do I have permission to be direct with you, Brandon? Yes. All right. Your financial goals are your financial goals, man. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to say, like, that's what they are right now or discount them or or make it seem like, hey, that is what it is today, but it's going to be different. Like, I know that you're working on it right now. They are what they are. Like, water's wet, rocks are hard. You want a house, you want a honeymoon, you want to start working a paycheck to paycheck, full stop. We're all going to be in a different place with that, and that's fine. Like, you are where you are today. And, like, five years from now, we have this con- this this uh, conversation. Maybe we're talking about you buying a second home, and that'll be the goal there, but it won't be the fourth or fifth home, and that's okay. That's where you're at at that moment, right? So first yeah. of all, I just want to say, like, where you are right now with your goals, that's fine. What's in the way though? You don't have it right now. You don't have it right now. So is it the working paycheck to paycheck that's the biggest thing in the way? Is it what is it for you that's the biggest blocker? So yeah, so it, I would say career. I would say career. I mean, right now I'm not making nearly as much money as I used to, but I mean I am in a great opportunity where there's growth. But at the same time, and it is something I guess I could touch on on my personal, <clears throat> excuse me, on my personal uh, on a personal level for me. I always find these opportunities that I get into. And once I'm there, I maximize that opportunity, but then that's it. Like I, I plateau. So I reach a, a pinnacle or a point where I don't feel like I can excel anymore. And I, then now I'm looking for the next, the next thing or the next thing that's going to motivate me. And, and that's another thing for me. It, it's, it's hard because if I don't have the right vehicle, I'll, I'll revert back to old habits mm-hmm. and the right vehicle to speak in. It's like, you know, I worked 20 years with Vons. I, was, I worked at Vons Mark for 20 years. It was one of the best experiences that I had because I was helping people. And, and that was like a pure joy to me. Every day was a new experience. Every day was, you know, being able to impact somebody's life, you know, with a smile, with the greeting and, and anyhow. But I walked away from that career because I felt like it was bringing me down and depression started creeping in and it took away from my performance. So I walked away. And then I found another opportunity that I got into where I'm at now with this company that I've worked for eight to five, Monday through Friday. The growth is there. The problem is I'm moving at their pace. Mm. So for me, it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to learn. I want, I want to be invested into the, to what my work, but I'm waiting on the opportunity as, as opposed to going to get it. Yeah. So is, is this, 
something where you're you're kind of going at the pace of the current company, does that mean that there's other companies that could where you could move up into the next level and other job opportunities that may be out there for you? Or is there conversations you can have with people who are above you and say, hey, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do to get to your position? I'm interested in continuing to grow with this business. Yeah. How, how do you go about that? That's a big thing too. And this is the reason why I'm kind of where I'm at right now is because when I started with the company, came in entry level, you know, I walked in the door, it was all these opportunities just all over the place, different departments. And the way the company structured, they are really adamant about promoting within. The atmosphere is amazing. As far as me moving up, like I've spoken to my my higher up, my boss. The problem that we're facing right now is dealing with COVID and we have to dial everything back. So that right there is, that's what it is. Kind of put me in a idling on, on the sideline, waiting for them to give me the opportunity to jump in. Um, as far as other opportunities, uh, I've been searching. I think for me, I'm apprehensive because I don't just want to hop from job to job or just find another job just because they're offering me this. I mean, if it's not my purpose, then I don't want to waste that time. I'm going to ask a curveball question here. Is there anything in your background, like family-wise, around like loyalty to companies or staying at companies for a long time? Yes. <laughs> the way I was raised is, you know, my mom was a big advocate of finding a job, finding a career and sticking in there. My mom was on her job for 41, almost 42 years, ever since I was a baby. My dad, same thing. He worked with Northrop. He, was, he started off cutting grass for Northrop. So there, that culture was built for me as far as a work ethic. So when I'm there, you get a thousand percent, you get all of me. That's where I got that from, you know, my parents. And that's what I strive for. Good hunch, Brian. Yeah, I think there's something to like, it's always a bad, it's always a kid thing. It's like, what did you learn as a child? Learn that, that it, like, it's just a major decision making as an adult. Here's what I also think, Brandon, like, if your company fired you tomorrow, what would you do to find another gig? Like, you still got your bills. You want to keep your daughters in therapy. You still want this honeymoon. You still want to have this house. You know, what mode would you move into then? Like mentally, what would turn on in you that's not turned on today? I, I, to be honest with you, I'd have to revert back to my old job. That's like the worst case scenario, right? I, I'd have to make that move. But then I have to deal with everything that it comes with. I didn't touch into that, but there are so many things in that place that throughout my life, my, my tenure there, that really affected me. You know, small things added up to a large thing. And, holidays, working the weekends, not having a set schedule that I felt like I lost out on a lot of opportunity, watching, uh, waking up with my kids on Christmas, missing Thanksgiving dinner. So anyways, that, that's one of the biggest things. So given, so given a scenario where you lose your current job, you would go back to what you know. Yes. Would that get you to all the financial goals you just said? Um, more money, probably, but I don't know if that will equate to happiness for me. Okay. I walked away from Vons for a very strong reason. I never looked back. And eh, I was warned about this, not to get emotional anyhow. But so that, that's the reason why I, I would say it'd be hard for me. But in order to take care of my family and do what I got to do, that will be it. That's something I could depend on if I needed to work. That's always going to be my strong suit will be Vons because I used to be able to do my job in my sleep. That's all. If there was a world where you were doing something professionally that paid you and was something that you were really good at and you really enjoyed doing, I mean, maybe that's what you're doing now with the exception of the check, but can, can you visualize what that would look like? Working with people, that's been always been something I've always been involved with my whole life. I mean, I grew up in a large family. I have uh, five brothers, three sisters. I've been around people my whole life. That's where I got joy from. 
That's why I stayed at Vons for so long because it's just the atmosphere, the impact that I knew I felt like I had on someone, like that brings me joy personally. Now finding that vehicle is that's that's the challenge. That's the art, right? That's the, the art. Better that's, way to put it. That's the journey. That's the art of life, right there. Yeah. Do you believe that you can get there? I do. I just had a conversation with my daughter last night, and she's like, "Dad, what are you doing? You should be coaching basketball or getting into you know something along that line." And I said, "Oh, you have a point." Well, there's small and not. I just in the mouth of babes, babes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. The, uh, yeah. There's also I want to I want to just frame there's there's a couple of different opportunities that you can look at one is something like coaching basketball for, which may be a volunteer effort where you're getting your joy fed through interacting with people and being public and giving back to the community right and then your professional life maybe you want to focus your attention professionally on maximizing income and that means doing the work that's going to bring in the most amount of money so you can achieve these other financial goals and then having some time at the end of the workday or on the weekends to be with people to do that thing that lights you up there also could be a place where you're making money and being with people right there's plenty of jobs that require that to me it sounds like there's value in the kind of expanding your dream and learning how we can expand our dreams by looking at the people around us and the people beyond us, the people who are in a different area of the universe who are living and doing those things that you see as things that you're good at and that you want to do and figuring out, okay, how did they get to that place? What did they do there? Who did they know? What relationship did they build? You're, you're clearly a people person. You've made that clear. And I can tell just from talking to you. You have that tool to build trust and build rapport with people from a place of having something to offer and not asking for something to be given. And in that offering state, you actually drive more value and people will want to work with you. And it becomes a collaborative conversation versus a extractive, how can I get to the next rung of this business or of this vehicle, as you said. So. So there's a mindset phase here, which is challenging, but to get into that space where you know your zone of genius working with people and you're able to say, hey, I see where the people work goes in this business or in this organization. I want to do that. Who do I have to shadow or work alongside to understand how to get into that role? And what, you know, what's the trajectory to get there so that you can find that opportunity within your work? You know, I agree with Ethan on this. We might end up disagreeing on whatever assignment we give you off this call because you're going to get homework right now. I do agree with Ethan that we can't just give you goals or help you pick goals without there being a mindset shift. And I think what we've been uncovering is like there's a mindset shift that has to happen. And as you look into people, and this is something I've had to learn within me too, when I see people that have gotten to places I want to go to stop looking at them as outliers or people who just got lucky or people who grew up wealthy and that's why they got there. A lot of people have got, gotten where they've gotten off hard work, grit, tenacity, resiliency. And so looking at them and actually saying, hey, I can get there too, but I need to find out how they got there and put in that same work. So with that, Brandon, I think it's time to let yourself dream and dream what you want your life to look like three years from now, five years from now. What are you doing? Where are you living? Who are you living with? What sorts of people are you impacting? What are you doing for work that impacts people? Is it like, are you doing real estate, but coaching basketball on the side so that you have the financial goals and you're helping the youth? Like wildly, wildly, wildly dream, like sit down and just like, let your imagination flow. Like we stifle our imaginations as we get older and there's yeah. no reason to. So let your imagination flow and come back and say like, here's actually what, if I could create any life I wanted, this is what it would be. 
Now, how do I get there? And I think that the painful part for a lot of us, and Ethan, feel free to hop in any time, is that what we're doing right now tends to be the thing holding us back. Staying at the job or staying in the relationship, sometimes staying in the city, but we have to be clear on what the vision is first. So leaving this call, I want you to dream like five pages all out if you have the magic wand to create that. I'm really hyped that this is the direction we're going. I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was when you want money, ask for advice. And when you want advice, ask for money. And so I think it may be valuable for you to go outside your family and see who in your community you look up to. Doesn't matter you know, what they're doing necessarily professionally. It's just like, who are some folks that you have access to that are not family members who you admire? I'd say try to get to two minimum and ask for advice. Hey, like, how did you get to where you're at? How did you get to your financial security? Or what are the things that you did that were major life changers for you? right? Like I share about the life change that happened to me, totally shifting my perspective around self-development and finding love, which was a huge goal. Just getting, gleaning that information and being curious with other people will inspire you to, to help you with these dreams. You don't necessarily have to emulate what they did, but you can understand what was the pivot point. What was that inflection point that shifted them from maybe being stuck in a stagnant zone to being like, no, I'm actually getting to a place where I'm starting to feel more secure. I'm starting to feel like I've got, I've got a financial position or I've got a vocation that's really bringing joy and fulfillment to my life. The other thing is, I think along with the dreaming is taking an inventory of where you have enough and maybe even beyond enough, I would even say like a lot. What do you have a lot of in your life? Do you have a lot of love? of joy? Do you have a lot of music? And those things are fuel. And I think like recognizing actually you have a, a brand new marriage and our romantic lives and our, our sexual and our passionate lives are intrinsically connected to our financial lives and to how we're making a living and what we're doing. And so realizing where there's abundance in your life and starting to think about how you can take that mindset and draw it into other aspects of work and financial needs and desires and dreams, I think is a big piece. So it's almost like, what's the inventory of enough? And what do you feel when you're in that enough state? And how could you apply that to the dreams that you're going to start building around your future? Yeah, that is a, that's a phenomenal assignment. I wrote that down because I, I've never done that either. So I'm going to go ahead and, Game do on, let's go. That and do that myself. Brandon, I want to summarize the three things we said, and then I want to check in with you real fast before we let you go. So number one, you're saying dream, like what's your vision? Dream, dream big. What do you actually want to accomplish? And letting yourself have that big vision. So that was number one. Number two, from Ethan, also do an abundance audit. What are you abundant in in your life right now? And then the third one was, who can you ask for advice from? Even if it's a list of five names. Who can you ask for advice from who's closer to that vision than you are right now? Those are the three things I heard. Did you get those? I did. Yes. So I'm curious for you, Brandon, before we let you go, was this A, was it supportive? B, what are you taking away from this that is supporting you? Well, I don't know if you see my shoulders. They're pretty uh, relaxed now. I got a lot of great information. Ethan, from you sharing your story, just it set the tone for everything. I, I just I kind of sat back a little more. Um, I took notes. Creating a culture, that's like one of the first things that jumped out to me. Getting those blockers out of the way. And I think by doing those three things that you presented will help break down those barriers that and shift the mindset that you spoke on. I wrote coaching in all caps and circled it on the top of my paper. So that's where I'm going to start. And I'm excited and I'm happy to implement this and, and, and check back in and get you guys updated on progress. 
one thing that was really important to us when we started this is that if we're going to challenge people to follow up with them. And so I, I do want you to expect a, a follow-up on all this, like a dead, like we're going to reach out to you, make sure you set a deadline on it because goals aren't goals unless they have a deadline. And I Thanks. just want to acknowledge what we spoke about in the beginning. Sometimes giving is the best way to receive and your desire to coach, we're now coaching you but you are going to be giving your coaching skills away and you clearly have that within that, you know, you're passing along what you just received and you have that innate talent. And that's not only something you can give and, and volunteer, but that's something that people will pay you for. Thanks, Brandon. We will follow thank up you. with you, man. Thank you for joining. Okay. Yeah, thank, thank you. And now before we go, let's hop into our favorite part of the call so we discuss what we learned today. And so with that, let's kick off our debrief. Wow. There's a couple of things I wrote down. One was just, you mentioned asking for help earlier when we started. And it was, it was interesting kind of seeing how that developed and how like, even on a call designed to help him, he was coaching is so in him and helping others is so in him that he was trying so hard to help us and other people and asking for help was always available to him. And it, you know, we finally got there, but it was kind of like that, such a stark example of it. Like, you know, what do you need? Like, how can we help you? And like, sometimes, and without vision, like we can't really get the support that we need yet. Yeah. And it's funny. I was on a call with a friend yesterday and I was like, Hey, I need some help. And she's like, well, well where are you trying to go? And I'm like, Oh shit. I don't have an answer for that. Right. This isn't like something that we, just cause we can give this advice doesn't mean we figured it out ourselves, but I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's both our culture is not designed for us to be asking for help readily. And also it's not designed for us to identify the destination. I think that homework is so relevant for everyone and being able to dream and make space for that and to really consider what the future holds. Yeah. And I also wonder if it, that homework assignment on what were you abundant? What are you really good at? I think so many of us aren't working in our zone of genius. We're not doing things that we're, that we're really passionate about and that drives the depression and the abuse and, you know, and the dissatisfaction with life. When, whereas when we're working in something that's really challenging us, but it is something that we also want to be really good at, we'll be happier. And so I'm curious when people do that abundance audit, if they start finding nuggets of like, you know what, like, hey, I am a great coach. I am really great with people. I actually do. I'm on Zillow all the time. Maybe I should be a real estate agent and really for people to discover what they're good at so that you can support them, not you, but like whatever coach they have. Um, I know that's something that I'm personally taking away also. You know, where am I abundant? And then am I using that abundance to support myself and others as I can right. deeper come to that same question? So thanks for offering that. That, that was really beneficial for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And Brandon identified it from the jump. You know, he said, I love working with people, helping other people out. So it's like, okay, you know, you love that. You know, you have capacity and joy there. It's not, it doesn't always have to be abundance. It can be what makes you happy. And also what are you interested in? Because your curiosity can motivate you really heavily and drive you really far. And so letting those things guide you can actually turn you into a very effective professional or practitioner. You don't necessarily have to be an expert. You can just be curious and have an abundance of curiosity or enjoy something a whole lot. If you enjoy it enough to really practice it, then eventually you have a skill that you can execute and get paid for. For example, me in podcasting, I have 130 episodes of a podcast right? Now I'm starting to get paid for podcasts, right? It's like you, you do your practice with that because you love it. And eventually it turns into a career. I hope that happens, Ethan. You know, we're in episode number two right now and yeah. <laughs> excited to get to 130. Thanks for, thanks for being on here. I think that was phenomenal. I also, man, I love helping people too. And so I think regardless of whatever happened before you got on the call today, 
I'm glad that you and I were able to sit down, support each other and support someone else, man. So, so thanks again, man. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with another episode soon. Uh, if you, if you're interested in being a, one of the callers, we have a subject that you want us to cover again, feel free uh, to go online at bmartlives.com and you can go ahead and enter your request there because we'd love to have some other people calling in with whatever you have. Again, our purpose is helping people and you give us that opportunity to create value. Uh, Until next time though, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else too. Peace.